to give. Learning to give. I feel like diving right into the Word of God today. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. I mean, I feel like there have been enough songs sang to save the world. I feel like there have been enough honor given to God that He's made His presence known. And we should thrive in that. Praise God. We should thrive in the joy of knowing that our sacrifice has gone up before the Lord as one of a sweet-smelling savor. Brother Freeman, in turn, he has sent uh, his blessing, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he is with us. Stand with me as we glean from the word of the Lord together. From Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 in the word of God. Are you there? Amen. Who's dragging up the rear? Say, I'm dragging up the rear. Bless your heart. Lord, help them, Jesus. Praise God. A little slow, are you? Praise the Lord. It's good to have a tangible copy of the Lord's Word. Isn't that right? But man, what a great blessing to have the finer amenities of life and it be available on the screen for us. Even someone's working to make that possible. So we thank God. For you, you, and especially you. I still hear a few pages turning. Going to give us a couple seconds to get there. If I don't sound good, y'all, y'all throw something at Eric. It's not my fault. Amen. There. The word of the Lord so states in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly and not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. I want to focus on verse 16. Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. God would you add the blessing to your already anointed word. As we minister it today let us do so in anointing father that destroys the yoke of bondage. That releases every captive. Father God that strengthens every born again child of God. Assembled in this place. We believe your word to be accurate and infallible. We believe it to be inspired. By one. Who is the author and finisher. Of our faith. It's in your name we ask that you add your blessing. And the church said amen. Amen, amen and amen. You might be seated. I want to I again focus on the thought. Learning to give. Learning to give. We spoke weeks ago on learning to give, and and, and, uh, we titled that message, Learning to Give Our Talents, Our Talents, or uh, those natural abilities that the Lord has given to each of us. I want to focus today on, on the word time, learning to give our time. Someone said, what is time? It's the indefinite continued process of existence. In the past, present, and the future, it's measured by seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, and years. Time. To learn is the process or experience of gaining knowledge or of gaining skill. The word give means that it's often associated with a physical action. It means to devote or to contribute. So I want to focus today... As we began a few weeks ago on giving, I want to focus today on our time. 
Why did we say it was important that we gave of our talents a few weeks ago? Was it just that God blessed us with those abilities to keep to ourselves, Or did God bless us with those abilities for specific, for specific other reasons? I believe it's so that we could bless others and so that we could do what else? Anybody remember? Anybody take notes? To build God's kingdom for the Lord's glory. For saints of God, giving evokes gratitude. Or giving extracts gratitude because it's in giving that we receive. Did the word of God not make it very clear that it's better for us to give than to receive? We don't understand the depth of that until we're in a position to be a recipient. I'd rather give any day than to have to be on the receiving end. Can I get one amen? Hallelujah. Anybody remember Cher? Cher was a, a, a great singer, uh, uh, entertainer, and, and, and Cher sang a song that said, if I could turn back time. You know what those old folks used to say? Lord God, if I could turn back time and had any way of knowing then what I know now. Oh, Lord. Some of y'all, that, that just rolled right off your lips. You want to know why? Because you embraced that mentality. You've said that very statement yourself. One of America's founding fathers early, amen, uh, Benjamin Franklin. Ben Franklin said, do not squander time. For it is the stuff that life is made of. Is that important? That's important. Don't squander time. It's the stuff that life, has made, life is made of. And although that God is, has not given us the same amounts of wealth, God hasn't given us the same amounts of talent and or ability, check this, he has given us the same amount of time. He's given us the same amount of time. You say, Pastor, I don't, I, don't, I don't quite understand. Well, you just bear with me, and we're going to get there in a minute. What does it mean to redeem the time? According to Paul's writing, what does it mean to redeem the time? The word redeem means to buy back. Or it's the act of purchasing something. But Paul, in the context of today's scripture, is addressing the church at Ephesus. In efforts to strengthen the believers in their faith. And to explain the very nature and the purpose of the church. Also known as the body of Christ. And it's important when we read the Bible that we understand contextually what is going on, what encompasses the body of writing that the author has submitted. So in other words, we can never read the Bible for face value. We need to do some homework and we need to do some research so we understand the specific reasonings why that the author is addressing such a group. Would it be safe to say that Ephesus was the world's first megachurch? Have we understood that through careful study and examination of the Word of God? And so Ephesus would have been about twenty to 30,000 members strong. It was a huge church. And in the context of today's uh, text, Paul uh, uses the Greek word kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. It's not the same word used for time, Brother Khan, when we talk about hours and minutes and seconds, which is chronos, C-H-R-O-N-O-S. Uh, for Paul is speaking about a time that's regarded in its season. In other words, life presents opportune seasons. 
Praise the Lord. And this is what Paul is bringing to the mind of the Ephesian church. And what Paul is saying, amen, is that we need to invest the time to make good use of the season in time that God has given us. Praise the Lord. As we look around this room today, we understand that through the process of the Greek word chronos, we have all experienced another year. Time is fleeing away. And we, we've experienced another birthday, so we're growing older. And some things are changing. But Paul is emphasizing the Greek word kairos. Amen. It's not, a uh, friend of mine, in our best interest that we would look at time as a renewable resource. Because let me tell you something. Once you've let an opportunity slip by that moment or that season in your life, it's gone. How many times have we told ourselves we're going to catch up on some sleep? Anybody ever said, I'm going to catch up on some sleep? Let me bless you and tell you that it's not happening. You missed that season and it's not going to, I don't care if you slept four hours the night before and you think you're going to get 12 now, you can never make up that time that's already been lost. It's a, it's a non-renewable resource. We cannot roll time over. Some of us have the benefit on our jobs that if we don't take our vacation time in, in, in one calendar year, that we can roll it over. But how many of you know in seasonable opportunities in life, we can't roll it over? We've got to act in the season that, that we're experiencing right now. Preach, Pastor. Hallelujah. It would be safe to say then that time is more valuable than money. We lose money in a deal. Oh, believe you me, we'll find a way to make that up somehow. But we cannot make up time. It's a non-renewable resource. Anybody remember one of America's greatest preachers? Billy Graham. Anybody remember Billy Graham? Billy Graham was born right here in North Carolina. Died right here in North Carolina. Anybody know how old Billy was when he died? 99 years of age. Preached to crowds of people in his lifetime around the world on many continents. But if we were to ask Billy... If we were to ask Billy, Billy, can you tell us what in life or what about life surprised you the most? We're talking about a 99-year-old man now. We're talking about a guy who lived 99 years. You know what Billy's response was? What about life surprised you the most? Billy said, it's brevity. It's shortness. 99 years old. Brother Hunt, I'm a long way from 99. But when a 99-year-old man says to the world that the thing that surprised me the most about life was its brevity, hello, a light bulb ought to come on in somebody's head and say to us uh, just what the Bible tells us through the New Testament writer when he says, amen, that life is but a vapor, for it appeareth for a moment. Oh, hallelujah. 
and then it's gone. Help me somebody. What are you trying to say today? I'm trying to tell us that we can and, and we out. We enter into this place, this, this holy house of worship, and the Spirit of God is ministering into our hearts. He's speaking intently into our souls. We don't realize the treasure of time uh, that God in this season has allowed us. And we get up and we walk out the same way uh, that we came. Let me assure us today that time is not a renewable resource and we can't roll it over. It's the Bible that declared that my spirit says the Lord will not always strive with man. So why is it important to redeem the time? It's important to redeem the time because the days are evil. They're evil. And the Lord is coming soon. The Lord is coming soon. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalms 90 and 10. We're all allotted the same amount of time. The psalmist says the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. It's the New Testament that sheds more light on this. You say, Pastor, are we all uh, given the same amount of time? We've got to understand that we can either shorten or add to it. Is this the book? This is Bible. How do we shorten our days? Dishonoring our parents. Living foolish lives. Embracing the sinful lifestyle of the world. We lessen our days. How do we add to our days? Well, the New Testament is about to shed light on that in the same book, Ephesians chapter 6, verses number 2 and 3. And Paul says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. When the scripture says it's the first commandment with promise, what does it mean? It means that God has assured us that if we respect and we honor and we reverence and obey our parents, then the length of days is going to be added up to us upon this land, amen, that we live. I'm glad somebody, praise God, that the Lord made it very clear that we have the power of choice in our own hands and we can determine uh, by our way of living, by embracing the good and rejecting the bad, we can add to our lives by honoring them as the word of God has said. We can't roll over time. Time is non-renewable. So what do you think today that the writer is suggesting in the text? Can I bless you? The writer is suggesting, Brother Robbie, make the most out of this opportunity. Make the most out of this opportunity. I want to tell you what's happening in the body of Christ. Now, now listen, I had one of my board members, praise the Lord, to go out on the edge of the wood. Thank God for woodses. And I had a board member to go out on the edge of the woodses and get me a, a switch. If you're under 40, this is a foreign object to you. you, you see those knots on it? You don't, you don't know what it means, but I, I wonder if I would have a volunteer. <laughs> I 
on this morning. I wonder if I would have a just one willful participant that would let me or even permissively allow me to demonstrate the destructive power of this weapon of discipline. Weren't that pretty? That sister said, I'll take it. I was raised with him. When out of blessing is, honey, I'm going to let you go whip somebody with no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The truth of the matter is, this sister says, I was raised on them. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling really, really free in the spirit right now. And feeling like God wants me to really share that almost all of us in this room need to line up and take a few stripes. Amen. Why? Because we're in need of discipline. Why? Because we have not invested time wisely and we have not learned to give of our time. You know why we can't learn to give of our time? Because of declining commitment. Declining commitment. Pastor, you're going to have to simplify that for me. What does it mean? Well, you know, it's that everybody would or somebody nobody thing. Everybody said they'd do it. When nobody did it. Am I ministering to anybody? So what happened, Pastor? This life is a life of strict discipline. Do you believe as the people of God that we need discipline? I told my wife I felt real free in the spirit this morning. And I felt like whipping a whole crowd of people. Somebody said, be careful. This is going out on podcast. Man, the whole world needs a switching. Hello, saints of God. And this is what my Bible says. This is what the word of the, of the living God says. But the word of the living God says, despise not the chastening of the Lord. For whom the Lord loves, he also chastens. And if you can't stand a little discipline once in a while, it's the Bible, the word of God, who said that we are none of his children. It's the truth. Declining commitment. It's killing the church of the living God. Declining commitment. You say, preacher, how in the world did you get from learning to give our time to we're uh, exercising uh, the spirit of declining commitment? It's because we can't invest the time to do those things we ought to, like volunteering, like mentoring, like, like coaching, like counseling. Hello, somebody. We can't, we can't do those things because we have not disciplined ourselves and we are not fit, glory to God, uh, to serve in those capacities. How in the world can we live? Lead somebody when we don't even know where we're going ourselves. My mama would say to me, you better not bring me back no flimsy switch in here, boy. Or I'm going to make you get two and braid them together. Praise the Lord. She said, I'll make you braid them together. You better not bring me something back in here that'll break. And heaven help us when mama was, can I use the phrase tear and hide? Can I use the phrase tear and hide? You know, once in a while, what spiritual leadership need to do is tear some hide. Once in a while, pastors ought to stand flat-footed behind that sacred desk and declare the word of the righteous God. Because as much as Jesus spoke, amen, in the scriptures, a lot of people said, well, uh, God is love. That personifies his character. Let me help you understand something. As much as Jesus performed acts of love, the scriptures clarify, Brother Charlie, that he spoke more on judgment than he did on love. More on judgment. Why did he do that? Because he loved us. Now when we were children and we were getting the hide tore off our backs, 
We couldn't understand how in the world mama could love us like that. I used to tell mine, love some of my other brothers and sisters. You about to love me to death. Praise the Lord. You under 40 years old, you don't, you don't hardly know what this device is. But if you'll volunteer, be the first one on the witness stand to walk right down this center aisle, I'll cut you across the back with it. And see if it'll leave a welt. Some of y'all said, a welt? What's that? Come on up here and then, amen, about five minutes from now, I'll let you take off your shirt and I'll show you exactly what it is. Show you exactly what it is. Hello? Praise the Lord. How can we invest the time? How can we invest in being a mentor, a coach, a volunteer, a counselor, a support to someone when we haven't disciplined our own lives, when we haven't put ourselves in the position, praise God. It's my whole heart, amen, to lead by example and never to, to force anything on anyone else that I wouldn't do myself. You got to invest the time. Learn to give. This is gut check time. Thank you, Mert. I wouldn't hit you, baby. Now, Robbie, I'd cut him without. No, I'm kidding. Brother Joy said, Robbie needs it. Step up, brother. Praise the Lord. If we belong to God, we all need spiritual discipline. Amen. If we belong to God, this, listen, this is gut check time right here. This is gut check time. I want you to be honest in the presence of God while you're here this morning. I want you to be honest. Because not only are we in the company of each other, some of you like preacher, you chasing rabbits. Now, I know, I know exactly where I'm at. I know exactly where I'm at. I need you to be honest with yourself and honest with God. How many of us in this room right now with knowledge, with knowledge, it's hard to do something about something you don't know anything about. But how many of us with knowledge in this room of sick persons associated with our church, how many of us have been to see them? Stand up. Come on, how many have known sick people in this church associated with this congregation and you went to see them? Stand up. How many have known people in the hospital since January, since January, that's just three months. How many of us have known sick people in the hospital and we went to visit? How about went to their homes to visit? How about went to rehabilitation centers to visit? I commend you. I commend you because you were fulfilling what the word of God said do. You may be seated. I didn't do that for the sake of embarrassment. I did that because I want to commend you for investing your time wisely. Amen. Right? Well, that's the preacher's job. That's what they pay him for. Is that a fact? Well, evidently, we've missed the scriptures. Because the scripture says that they appointed seven men full of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. And they laid hands on them. And later, they were penned with the term of deacon. And that's whose responsibility, primarily, that it is to care for those who are hospitalized, institutionalized, at home sick. That's their responsibility. And the Word of God said that my responsibility is the nurture of the flock. To teach and to preach the Word of God. 
But let me tell you something. It comes, it's, it's a whole package, Brother Arvis, because you feel compelled in your heart to visit the lesser fortunate. You, as a Christian, let me just say, as a Christian, you feel motivated in the spirit. Some of y'all scared to death, I'm going to cut you with this switch. I can, I can look at you now when I walk by you, you're drawing up. Let me put it down before I, before I feel the spirit. We should feel compelled out of compassion as a believer and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should feel encouraged and motivated to give our time. Am I right? Time's a non-renewable resource. I can't roll it over. I can't make it up. So Paul said, redeem the time. Make the most, Brother Marty, of this opportunity. The opportunity that is right before you. Do I know that we all have passions, that we all have interests, that we all have hobbies and things that we enjoy? We're human beings. It's a part of our DNA, our interwoven fiber. It's who we are as people. But there is something wrong. Can I say that one more time? There is something wrong when we don't want to give of ourselves for the benefit of someone else. That's not Christ-like behavior. That's not Christ-like behavior. So how can we volunteer? How can we coach and counsel and advise and mentor? How can we be a blessing? Give of your time. Give of your time. You say, preacher, there ain't but 24 hours in a day. There's only 168 hours in one week. And, that, and even that varies by months because some months have more days, which results in more time. No, the truth of the matter is, Hold your, hold, listen, somebody grab another tight grip on the reins because here's our problem. Our problem is we are not good time managers. We're not good time managers. Will a day get away from you real quick? And let me ask you something. If you don't plan your activity in the course of a day, will it run right by you? What's that called? That's time management. You can't lay in the bed all day and get anything done. But we're privileged. And we're entitled. And God knows I worked hard. So I deserve. I deserve. Really? Did you go there? I deserve. Did Jesus deserve death so we could be free? No. But what did Jesus do? He gave the time. He sacrificed the time to die that we could have Eternal life. I'm talking about learning to give the priceless treasure of time. 
we will never know how valuable it is. Because let me tell you what happens. The very moment we attempt to spend time with God, what does the devil do? He tries to distract us. He tries to interrupt us. But let me tell you when's a good, good time to spend time with God. Oh, God. You see, the devil ain't stirring around too much when it's early in the morning. You know, he knows that lazy body of people are still lying in the bed wasting time. But it was David who purposed in his heart to say, Early, O oh Lord, will I seek thee early. Amen. Something's wrong when we're not praying as soon as we hit the floor. Something's wrong when we're not initially spending time with God before we do anything else. Something's just, your day's not going to go right if you haven't done like the songwriter said. Have a little talk with Jesus. Am I speaking to anybody today? I'm talking about redeeming the time. I'm talking about making the most of the opportunity of the season that you're experiencing. We'll never pass this way again. We'll never be in this moment that we're in right now ever again. Some of y'all say, yes, we do. It's called deja vu. Honey, quit dreaming. I've been there before. I've seen this before. I've, you dreamt it the majority of the time. That's another way of wasting time is dreaming. You say, preacher, shouldn't I dream? Oh, yeah. And if you're going to dream, dream big. Yeah, absolutely. But it needs to be about the right things. Like, Lord, what would you have me to do? God, what's your purpose? What's your plan for my life? Every time I want to spend time with God, amen, Satan attempts to distract me. Amen, that's when we are summoned. That's when we are called upon to be good time managers. Amen, you know what would be a blessing in our life? What would help us to be good time managers? Cut the phone off. Yeah, cut the phone off. What did we do before we had them? Now our whole lives depend on them. Preacher, don't bother my cell phone now. Praise the Lord. I know it. It is sanctified. Well, I want to tell you something. If God's the Lord of your life, he ought to be the Lord of your lips. If he's the king of our, our, king of our lives, he ought to be the king of our heart. That ain't good preaching. How about Paul's letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, 24? This is what I'm talking about when I talk about discipline. Paul, Paul said, don't you know that everybody's running in a race, but only one's going to receive the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. This all relates back, Brother Ernie, to discipline. How many knows it takes discipline to live a life that pleases God? Somebody said, I don't even know what discipline is. Discipline is controlled behavior that results from training and from self Control. How many know we're embarking on a fast next week? Isn't it appropriate to be talking about self-control? Brother Arbus taught us wonderfully this morning from the Word of God in the book of Esther uh, regarding the fate of the Jewish people. And, and, and they declared a three-day fast. They didn't eat or drink anything. Some of y'all like called a morgue right now. I'll never make it. We have to be conditioned to fast. I don't expect everyone to embrace the 21-day Daniel fast. If you haven't disciplined yourself, don't kid yourself. You're never going to make it. 
But it takes discipline. And we ought to be fasting more than once a year. Let's look at let's 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 look still in 1 Corinthians and let's go to verses 26 and 27 of chapter number 9. This is what Paul said. Paul said, "Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified." Paul is saying, I adhere to a strict training regiment. Paul is saying that I discipline myself. I exercise self-control. Trust me, they're going to be food. When we experience the fast, they're going to be food that what before wasn't even palatable. Hello, somebody. I am not a fan of rutabagas. I like a lot of other stuff, but I, I, I just, you know, not a fan of that. So trust me, when you declare a fast, when you sacrifice to the point that you're going to honor God, stuff that's not even palatable will become delicious. You'll see visions of it dancing in your head. My wife, if she sees a Krispy Kreme hot and now donut sign, she turns into a different person. And we got to go there. I don't even like Krispy Kreme donuts. Nah, I'd rather have a cakes and pastries any day. Praise the Lord. Redeeming the time. I'm talking about discipline. Some of y'all ride by them golden arches and boy, everybody will get happy just wanting a meal. Talking about fasting. Learning to give. Talking about the priceless treasure of time. Pastor, how do I discipline myself? For what reason should I discipline myself? Because in disciplining oneself, we are avoiding life's evil dangers. When we discipline ourselves. What, what does avoid mean? Avoid means to keep away from or to stop oneself from doing. Evil, let me clarify what the word evil means. It means wicked, it means bad, it means wrong. So I'm going to discipline myself to avoid life's evil dangers. If I could sum it up for you, I would say utilize time wisely. Utilize time wisely. I want to talk about two things that are real. They just don't rub me right. Can I say it like that? Some people say those are pet peeves or whatever. There, there are two things that just don't sit well with me. And especially if they become traits of the body of Christ. Number one, laziness. Laziness. Laziness just don't sit too well with me. And the Bible has many scriptures that reference slothfulness or laziness. One is Proverbs 12 and 11. And it says, he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. But he who follows 
frivolity. That means acting like a clown. Is devoid of understanding. So does the word of God speak against laziness? Exactly because this scripture is self-explanatory. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Acting like a clown might get you a few laughs. But it doesn't produce much else. Praise the Lord. Doesn't produce much else. And it comes nowhere close to being a good time manager. Does it? There's another one that really kind of rubs me wrong. And it ought not to even be a named, or not even be named among us as become its saints. Gossip. Gossip. Proverbs 16:28 says, "A perverse man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends." That's the Bible. You know what's destroying the church of the living God? Laziness and gossip. Laziness, slothfulness, and gossip. Boy, it's quiet in here now. A perverse, a contrary, an unmanageable man spreads strife. What's that? Disharmony. Discord. And a whisperer separates the best of friends. Paul is communicating in today's text with a sense of urgency, dear friends. Because of the pervasiveness or the widespreading of evil. Do you believe the evil is spreading at an all-time high? Do you believe it's intensifying in the land of the living? Do you believe that evil is gaining momentum right now in the world? If not, then you haven't paid much attention to what's happening. When someone walks into a religious establishment and kills 50 people, something's wrong. How close has it been to Robinson County? Charleston, South Carolina. On a Wednesday evening Bible study. So you tell me, are we or are we not being effective time managers? I think we all need some discipline. Because we've all missed the mark. We've all failed God miserably. And we can all reevaluate, re re right now we can reevaluate how we should properly manage time. Now I believe, Brother Oxendine, that God called us to a life of joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. And I believe that life ought to have some balance to it. You understand? We can't work all the time. We can't be in the church all the time. We can't recreate all the time. But we can find a balance in those things. And I believe we do it, Brother Carlos, only as we invest the time to do it in a way that pleases God. Oh, in the flesh you'll get so wore out at times that all you want to do is crawl under a bed. 
But giving our time wisely, investing it wisely, will assist us in avoiding life's evil dangers. For we have an allotted time. We need to put our time to use wisely by sowing into the lives of others. Somebody say praise God. We need to sow in the life of others. Can I tell you what the most, can I tell you what the, the most common response is? When the world, I'm not just speaking about here, but I'm speaking about the most common response from the world in relation to why are you not yet in a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know what one of the most common responses is? Well, if he's going, then I'm going. What does that suggest to us? That suggests to us that they don't see Jesus in us. And in other words, if our half-handed lifestyle suggests to a non-believer that we're going to heaven, then why do they need to make a confession of faith? Because if we can go to heaven practicing those things we are, then they are fit too. In Robinson County, that is the most common response. I know because I hear it from my own family. I hear it from my own family. And it's discouraging, is it not? It's discouraging when you hear from your own family. Well, I know people go to church with you, and if they go into heaven, I've already got my foot in the door. And their next response is, man, the church is full of hypocrites. My pastor say, well, come on, one more won't make that much difference. But if there's truth to it, then we need to correct the problem. Listen, y'all quiet now, but it's the truth. If there's sin in our lives that is discouraging other people from a relationship with Christ, then they don't have the problem. We do. We have the problem. And we need to check ourselves. And say, God, is, 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 is my lifestyle, the way I'm living, is it a detriment in my testimony and my witness to other people? Do they not see Christ in my life? Now listen, you're going to have critics as long as you have breath. You can be the greatest in your field. It doesn't matter what it is. But you are still going to have critics. And you cannot stop people from saying what they feel about you. But your life presented in a manner that pleases God can determine whether it's the lie or the truth. That's good preaching. The musicians are coming. So how do I invest my time wisely? I invest my time wisely by sowing into the lives of other people. Helping those in need. And to manage my time wisely, it takes strong discipline. Strong discipline. You remember when the circumcision came into play for the Israelites? Man, I'm here to tell you. If we had to go through some of the things the people of God did in that day, there wouldn't be no waiting line. With a flint, not a scalpel, 
a sharp piece of rock. Come on, who will be next? Who wants to receive this gift that distances you, that distinguishes you from all other people on the planet, the gift of circumcision? Thank God now the Lord's more concerned with the cutting away of our heart than he is a foreskin. Preach, Pastor. Amen. It takes discipline to live a life that's pleasing unto God. Discipline will help us manage our time wisely and sow into the lives of others. It'll assist us in avoiding the dangers that are so evil in this life. I promise you, if we invest our time wisely, we won't have time to be lazy or to be gossipers. Amen? Now listen, when the Lord called me to preach, I was terrified. And for years I ran. He was gracious to me. He was merciful. And his favor was extended to me. But let me tell you something. When you know the Lord's in your corner, when you know that God's on your side, you're not afraid of anything that the enemy can throw at you. Have I ever asked myself the question, God, why at a time like this did you ever call me to proclaim the gospel? How many know that I was born in the precise season that God foreordained? How many believe right now in your whole heart that you were born in this season for God to use you effectively in advance in his kingdom? It's not by chance or circumstance. It's by the divine will and appointment of God. We need to become good time managers. Amen. And we need to invest in the lives of others. John Maxwell is a best-selling author, coach, speaker, and influential leader. He's one of the most well-known in this country and countries abroad. And John said it best. Well, what did John say? Maximize the moment. How many people in a, in a business setting have heard that term? Maximize the moment. It ties directly back into learning to give. You might say how? By making the most of an opportunity that's given us. Preacher, what are you I mean, I mean, what are you saying? You've already told us our lives were not fit. We were not in shape to, to volunteer and to mentor and to counsel and to advise and to coach. Why are we not in that position? Because of declining commitment. Because every time that we need to wisely invest time, amen, to be in God's house, to be among the people of God, to be enriched by the study of God's word, the enemy says, now God knows you. The enemy says, God knows that you give your tithe faithfully. And you just cannot be in church every time the doors are open. God knows this. You are but a human being. And we now have the luxury and pleasure of online giving. You don't even have to go to church to pay the tithe. Well, don't worry. Some of us weren't when we were coming. So what's online giving going to solve? 
I appreciate the amenity. Some of y'all are like, boy, I'm glad next Sunday's Youth Sunday. What's the first Sunday of April? First Fruit Sunday. Well, then you can probably figure out what will be the topic of my sermon on First Fruit Sunday. Learning to give the tithe. Stand with me all over this building. I've emptied my heart before you today in the presence of the Lord. So preacher, how can I how can I how can I give my time? Well, in the areas of witnessing, the areas of evangelism, in the area of missions, discipleship, prayer, should I go on? Learning to give my time. For managing these areas will help us steer clear of idle time. My mama used to say idle time's the devil's workshop. Anybody ever heard that? You know what idle time does? Idle time entertains evil dangers. Am I right? Idle time entertains evil dangers. Evil dangers will separate us from the very presence of God. In my closing, let me say, time is one of, if not the most rarest and precious of all gifts. Are we using it wisely? Today, are we using it wisely? Are we spending sufficient enough time with God in prayer? Are we seeking His will for our lives? Well, let me encourage us. Let's make today a fresh, new beginning. Heads are bowed all over this auditorium. Father, we love you. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son who came that we might have this life that we now live. Thank you that your word has given us specific instruction regarding our behavior and the way that we are to live. Lord, would you just erase those moments in our life where we have failed you miserably and fallen way short of your glory? And would you allow us a fresh new beginning on today? I know your word tells us that we're better not to make a vow than to make it and break it. But Lord, today, I pray that in the hearts and lives of every believer in this building, that we would have a sense of urgency to redeem the time because the days are evil. That we would invest that time by sowing into the lives of others, serving as a mentor, a coach, a counselor, advisor. Lord, that we would serve in the fields of missions and evangelism, in the field of discipleship, that we would commit ourselves to prayer for the lesser fortunate. Father, we love you, and we thank you for allowing us this time. There's one soul on, under this roof today who is lost without you. Lord, may you trouble their heart 
and be ever so near them. Lord, that they would have to make a confession of faith after an encounter with you. We lovingly trust, Father God, that you will bring this to pass. For in faith we ask it. In Jesus' name, his church said amen. Amen. You're at your liberty to be.